Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Abin, yeah. This is the Black Hundred Blokes, Chin the Fat, with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cadman, Tom Garrett, Aaron Jew, and Craig Lynches. And tonight, our special guest, Alex Brooker. Now, you might recognise him on his um, comedy circuit or from the hit show, Channel 4, The Last Leg. So, Alex, thank you so much, bro, for coming on. So, thanks for having me, fellas. Thanks for having me. No problem, mate. So, before we get into like all the the showbiz and everything you've managed to achieve, could you tell us about um, your actual condition, please? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have um, exactly what you could like. What you know, an exact condition. Uh, to be honest with you, pal, um, I just kind of I came out uh, as is, pretty much. Um, you know, I've got a uh, hand and arm. Uh, Disabilities, obviously, you know, people now I'm missing the fingers and that uh, on, on both my hands, and then also um, my right leg. When I kind of, I was born. I can't remember which one it is. It's a tibia or fibula. I was born without one of the bones in in, in the lower right leg, and um, so when I was 13 months old, um, my mum and dad had to make, you know, they had to make the tough decision to, um, yeah, to, to have my, my foot amputated. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's, I'm double parked, so to speak, but um, yeah, it's uh, that I've, you know I've got the foot, the full house. Each limb's got something slightly wrong with it, but yeah, I don't I don't have a, a, an exact condition. And before before you know uh, I had kids, you know we 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 had some uh, a little bit of uh, a genetic testing done um, just on the off chance it wasn't it wasn't full. I was always told I didn't have a condition, but we, it was done. Uh, for something else, and yeah, they, they said the not, not any known condition to man, or maybe I'm the first one with it was what they came back with. So it was like, it wasn't much help. But um, no, I'm not. I'm not like the monkey from Outbreak. I'm not the one. I'm not the carrier. And <laughs> 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 was it growing up, Al? Was the kids at school all right? Yeah, I mean, I always kind of say this. I, I was. Very lucky, you know. I was born in Croyd, and and we lived there up, you know, up until I was kind of, I think I was about three or something. And then, um, mum and dad, they, you know, my dad moved to uh, moved to Ashford in Kent, and I think, you know, a big part of why they wanted to move us out of Croyd, and with all due respect to my, you know, my place of birth, was, you know, that I think they felt that Kent would be uh, a slightly softer place for me to go to school uh, and, and stuff like that but you know when I was younger I know I remember my mum kind of wanted to wanted me to go to uh, what's you know for want of a better phrase but you know a school for for people with disabilities you know what they were kind of you know called kind of called special schools back then and it was you know my dad always wanted me to go into into mainstream schooling and uh, I did and to be honest with you like now I think because I'm quite an extrovert character I didn't really tend to have any problems at at school um and also it's like you know especially when I was at secondary school like kind of my my pals were, were some of the harder ones so <laughs> I didn't really yeah. have too many too many uh problems but you know like I went to a, an all boys school in Kent and and the teachers were were great with me you know they always looked out they looked out for me but I was never made to feel kind of too different if you know what I mean like, I wasn't made to feel too different to the other kids, you know. I was always, you know, all the sports and stuff like that. I, I'd jump in and I'd, I'd get to do. I remember my, my first day uh, at secondary school. It wasn't a posh private school or anything, but it had like an outdoor swimming pool. It's about ten degrees in there, and um, the first lesson was like swimming. And um, the the games teacher he goes and sticks me in this canoe, and I thought like Jesus Christ, we're doing canoeing on the first day of, of school. This is unbelievable. Then he sticks armbands on me. And I thought this was a bit odd because I can swim. Anyway, it's canoeing. I've never done it. Maybe armbands come as standard. And uh, I remember at that point kind of looking around and I thought to myself, how are they going to fit another 30 of these little canoes in here? And then I realised that all the other kids were doing <laughs> swimming lessons down the other bottom end of the pool. And I remember um, I didn't have an oar, so I was just like spinning in the wind. So every kind of 360, I'd see all the other kids, all the other lads doing um, 
their little uh, links at the end of the pool. And anyway, so this it kind of this lad who I went to primary school said to the teacher, like, "Sir, why is Alex in a in a kayak?" And he went, "Well, you know, he's he's not he's you've got this disability, so he's not able to swim." And I just wanted him to be involved. He was like, "I went to primary school with him. He swims further than me." I'll never forget the look on this games teacher's face. He comes down, he's like, can you swim? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he literally just kind of pulled me out of this kayak and chucked me in the water. And I remember just to mess about with him, I kept my head under for a few seconds <laughs> put the shits up in. But that was like a line in the sand. And, you know, a lot of people kind of now, you'd hear a story like that and it'd be like, prejudice against disabled boy and you know in a way maybe you know the teacher had a slight he had a misconception over what I could and couldn't do but I'll tell you what like you know we he never doubted what I could do ever again and it was it was it was lovely you know god even I was made to you know I've got one leg I still never because of that old uh, canoe business I never got to get out of cross country so I even had to do that with one leg because he knew I could run so that was a that was a ball ache but I was really lucky at school. I, I really was. And, you know, it's, I know a lot of kids get like a, a hard time, but I was kind of, you know, I said, I think mainly down to the powers that I made and, and the teachers, I was, I was really lucky. Well, I think it, it's a lot to down with the teachers. I mean, I had a pretty rough time with them. Um, it wasn't many the kids. I mean, kids can be vile, but um, it, it can be the teachers. And sometimes it's not, they, they just don't know how to treat you. And often... You know, thank God it's moved on since the 80s and the 90s, and we've got a better understanding of it. So yeah, I, think, I mean, like, you said, sorry, when you said on that documentary, it was sometimes whether you're Down syndrome, one leg, blind, if you're disabled, you're treated the same. They don't have a grasp of you're all different with different needs. Yeah, I mean, I remember so in the documentary that I did, like that came out last year, I met a lad who I went to primary school with, an infant's in primary school with, and I hadn't seen him for. God, like 20, 20 something years. And he was telling me like this, you know, we used to go for naps at lunchtime. <laughs> and he was like going to me like, he said to me, you know why we used to have to go for a nap? And I was like, nah. And there was a thing that was written in, in like kind of like guidance for disabled people that we need more sleep is what he was telling me that he'd found out since. And so that's why we got taken for a nap is because they thought the two disabled kids in the school would need a bit of extra kip. And it was meant to help like our well-being. And it's like, Jesus Christ, imagine taking all the disabled kids from schools now at lunchtime and making them all have a kip together in, like, the nurses' room. I mean, God. And that was like, you know, that was the kind of, you know, mid, mid to late 80s. So, you know, a lot of things have, a lot of things have changed, haven't they? And, and I think sometimes for teachers, I suppose it, it can be hard. I think today, and I've, I think you see it a lot for a lot of disabled people, people in, in general want to do the right thing and they want to be polite, and they and they don't want to make a big thing of your of your disability. But it's almost like the elephant in the room. And then the harder they try, the more awkward it can become. And I think people can get kind of tied up in knots about it, about awkwardness and and, and stuff like that. And I think that the main message is that do you know what? It's just like obviously there's certain things that I can't do, but in, in general, it's just one aspect of who I am. Like I'm not. It's no different to 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 anyone else really in that respect. And. I think that, you know, once people are educated a little bit, and I don't mean that in a horrible way, I, I generally, I've educated, you know, myself. I know more about disability now, you know, having done the work I've done at the Paralympics and stuff like that, more now than what I did before. And you kind of, you gather a better understanding and it becomes less awkward the more you kind of become slightly desensitised to it. Not not that it really, it should be that way. Well, and I think um, what you said, I, sorry. Sorry, Alex. Yeah, so... When I, I, I watch your documentary as well, and my, my youngest is disabled, and at one point in your documentary, you basically, uh, you're explaining that to your mum, I think it was, when, when someone's looking at you, you think they're looking at you for your disability, and you you, you, you know, you, you have a bit of a, not a go at them, but you, you make them aware that you know they're looking at you. And me and my wife, um, my wife kind of gets angry when people look at my daughter in a wheelchair, screaming and shouting, but on the total opposite, I, I think you... My my personal thing, you ought to stop and try and educate that person if possible. Um, how do you do? You still get that anger? 
I tell you what, it's it's like I know my mum was was very much the same uh, as, as, your, as your wife when I was young, when I was younger, and she'd like kind of say, you know, what do you want to have a look? And it kind of become quite confrontational. I sometimes kind of just I'm more now just like what you know, what are you looking at? And I suppose you know, and it, it and it is hard as well. Um, I think that sometimes I think inherently, I think you can pretty much tell if someone's looking. Um, you know, I mean, if someone's looking at you absolutely disgusted, then I mean, they've got a big problem, and then I'll probably I'd have a big problem with that. But I think in you know, you've got to bear in mind if you see if you see something different for the first time, you do a double take. I do it, we all do it. God, I went to the Paralympics in Rio, and I remember seeing a woman with um, no legs on a horse on in the equestrian. And I was just like, "That bloody hell is that going? Like, what is? How is this? Like, in terms of the gravity of the situation, how is this happening?" And I remember I kept you know, I'd look and I'd kind of stare. And I suppose it's a case of, for sometimes I think some people kind of, you know, I think they just, it's some of it's like kind of human nature, curiosity. You know, kids are the best for it. I know kids can be, kids can say, you know, can be quite cruel when, when you're younger, but a lot of kids, they kind of, they don't have that filter, that social filter of I shouldn't look. So they'll come up and straight out ask the question that, you know, and I think once they get their answer, more often than not, they're happy and they kind of they go along their, their their merry way. Really, I suppose for my kids, it's you know, sorry, mate. They're just being inquisitive. I mean, we've yeah. that uh, in truth, I prefer that because I can answer the questions that, that that they're asking and hopefully again educate them to to see to see it in a different light. Yeah, I think so, pal. And I think as kind of as you get older as well. You know, you, you kind of become you myself. I, I don't always notice it, it, if someone's looking, and you know, I obviously, you know, with my job now, they're not always looking just because of, of my disability as well. And that, you know, that's kind of like a, a weird thing that I kind of went through when I started on television because I realized, yeah, that sometimes people weren't looking at me just because of my hands. They're like, oh, that's you know, geezer with the hands off the telly. So it, it was slightly, you know, it was slightly, um. It's, it was slightly different, but yeah, I think that you know, obviously, as your daughter gets older, she's going to be able to kind of, you know, she probably not know. It's and also be able to kind of speak for herself. And I think as parents, you know, we're so protective, and I suppose that, that's kind of where that that attitude from you know, like my mum come from. You know, with you saying that, uh, Alex, about people seeing you as a celebrity and then seeing, and is, is that? mess with your head slightly because then you're not sure if they know she's on the last leg or if it's through having this disability yeah it's weird it is weird like there's a few times when you know people have also i mean if someone sneers at you you don't know if they just don't like disabled or they just don't like your joke so that's again <laughs> one, which, you know, invariably it's the latter fellas so it's like you know that again is is something that's quite that's quite different um it is one of those things where you know i've kind of you know i, I go and see uh I, I see a therapist every week um, and I have done for the last two years and it's been a massive, massive help for me. I cannot underplay, you know, it, it, it's just, it's been so helpful. And I kind of talk about, you know, stuff like when I was younger, being used to people staring at me. And in fact, actually now I've kind of gone into a job where you're kind of putting yourself out there in a different way and kind of coping with that is it, it, sometimes, you know, it, I'm very, very privileged to do the job I do. But for someone who's been stared at as a, as a kid, it does kind of bring back maybe some slight, uh, slight little bad memories. But in that, do you know what? In, in general, people are all right. You know, in, like people really are on the whole all right. You will, obviously, you get the odd knobhead. You do in every form of life, whether you've got my hands, whether you've got big hands, they will always, you will come across them in everyday life. And that's how I try to take it now. I, I, you know, I've kind of realised that it's just, it's one aspect to, of who I am and that's, you know, and I think that if if other people can't get their heads around that, then they're probably not worth paying attention to anyway. If, if you're honest, if you can't get your head around that, it's just, you know, it's not everything about a person. God, you know, it, it's so much not. So, Mate, I think, like, I found growing up, you know, I was bullied throughout primary school. Um, you know, the goofy teeth of the glasses and there was the big national health glasses of the 90s uh, I had freckles and I was the ugly duckling of the family and I always joke to say on proof that the ugly duckling 
can transform in you know can can transform into the uglier duck, and I constantly say that. And the way I see it is, a lot of the people that were bullying me were people from they wasn't the best dressed, or they had they'd pick on me for my teeth, but they had big ears. And it's almost as if everybody's got something with them, whether it's your mind, whether it's the way you walk, you know, ingrowing toenails and a thing, or loads of coleslaw. Everyone's got something, and I think a lot of people deal with their insecurities by picking on someone that's got more insecurities and, and, and more things, you know. And it's, it's only been recently I've started wearing my glasses in public, and I used to smart laugh at, at school, and I used to fold my my lips over my teeth so as no one could see, and then they'd take a piss out of me folding my lips over my teeth, so I couldn't freaking win. Um, yeah, but... I think that it's a, it's a weird, obviously, you know, the, the thing with bullies is, like you said, it's it's an insecurity thing and there'll be something about you or, you know, the person that they're aiming the, the bullying towards, there'll be something about them that makes the bully feel less than. That's that's why they, why they do it. There'll be something about this person that will make them feel insecure. You know, the people who give me abuse on, on Twitter and stuff like that, you, you know, I kind of, at the, at the start of television, I found it really difficult to deal with. But kind of now you think there'll, there'll be something about me that's made them feel crap about themselves. That's why they're doing it, because they want to bring you down. They want to bring you down to how crap they feel about themselves. And I, I think I kind of, you know, in a way, obviously it's no, it's not a lot of solace uh, for, for people, you know, for for people who have been bullied. I mean, I'll be honest with you fellas, like you know, my, my, my oldest goes to infant school in... Um, in September, and it scares scares the shit out of me. Like the idea of my kids going to school because at the moment they're like they're just so young and innocent. They haven't had anyone be a dick to them yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just I find that really that's a real. You know, I'm sure like you know it's a real kind of parenting dilemma is sending your kids to school and they're gonna, eventually they're going to come home and someone's going to have been an arsehole to them. And I, I find that quite difficult to to kind of deal with. I, you know, when I was younger, God, you know. My dad used to say, like, I'd boot them or something like that, and it'd be like, it's not really, I wouldn't, like, you know, I wouldn't kind of tell my kids to do that. But, yeah, it, it, that kind of, you know, it's different. It has, it, it, it has changed. It has changed. My dad would all, I'd say, real lamp me, and he always used, because I used to have the art of a coward, you know, a, a big art, but I was scared of upsetting people and that. And he'd say, he'd tell me, and I'd say, they'll lamp me, and he, he'd always say, What's that got to do with the price of fish and chips? And I never understood it. And I thought of something a few years back and I thought bullies are like bacon. They come out the pack all fleshy. And as soon as you apply a bit of heat back, you see them shrink. And I feel that that's what people are. And like the way you've gone on and, and succeeded in life, in your life, and, you know, you're doing well with yourself and you're happy with yourself, an assumption I'm, I'm making, I know. You know, it, it proves it doesn't matter what they say at the time. If you can lift yourself out of that situation and say their word isn't the be all end all. It is, and I think you know we all have our insecurities. If you've been bullied or not, able bodied or disabled, good. We all have our own insecurities. It's just that, it's that again, that's kind of a, a life aspect. And there's a lot of things, I suppose, when I was maybe younger. And one of the things that I've learned as I've as I've got older now is kind of the things that I blame on oh, maybe I feel like this because I'm disabled. Or actually, it's just life, life stuff, um, you know, insecurities. Uh, you know, am I, one, am I worried about whether girls will like me when I, when I went to, like, school discos and I kind of had my, my, my jumper over my hands and stuff like that when I was a teenager? And it would just be like, you know, what was I, you know, but that's just everyone, want, you know, every lad kind of, you know, you want – you want people to like you, and I, and I suppose that that's just an insecurity thing, and that was that was how it manifested itself with me. You know, like with 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 my kids, I, I remember when my eldest was born. You know, really being so hung up about the idea of dropping her. Dropping her was the big thing. Oh God, how am I going to drop her? And I remember my pal saying to me, "It's like, but you lift far more at the gym. You you pick up stuff that's heavier every day, and you never drop it. You've got." The grip, and he was like, also, it's like that's every every parent think. What's the worst thing you can pretty much do is drop your own kid, and it's like, and and do you know what? It, it's like that was just a parenting thing. It wasn't about bit my, you know, it kind of manifested itself with me worrying about my hands. And I think one of the big things I kind of tried to learn or tried to put in place as I go as I get older now is 
these worries that I have, you know, a little while ago, I was thinking, oh, God, you know, with, with my knees and, and stuff like that. And, you know, my, my bones and my legs aren't, aren't amazing. I keep thinking to myself, God, what about getting old, you know, when I get older and getting arthritis? But then anyone can get that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, everyone everyone has these these problems as you get older. So it's nothing to do with, you know, my, my, my disability. I've just got to look after myself like we all have. And that's kind of, yeah, that's what, kind of the mentality that I try and, I try and have. I think what you touched on then, Alex, is realising that whether you're the best-looking bloke or woman in the room, we're all broken in some ways. And whether you've got a physical disability or whatever it is, we've all got our demons. But I think it's so easy to think, this is because of my eyes, this is because we, we, we're all messed up. And I think the more we can talk about that, easier it becomes for us blokes to talk about it. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, fellas. It's, it's like when I was, God, when I was younger... I'd have loved to. I'd love to have kind of had these, been able to have these sorts of chats when, when, when I was a teenager. But obviously, you just you got you only learn this stuff as you get older. Like in my head now, you know, in some ways, mentally, I'm I'm no further forward than when I was uh, like 18. I was certainly a better drinker when I was 18, <laughs> and it's like you know what I mean. But then, in 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 some ways, you you learn you learn as you get older. And you kind of you you try and I try and take now certainly also having done therapy has really helped me and I, I try and you know still are but I try, I try and kind of approach things more in kind of a more logical way the the problems that I have. Aaron, is there anything you'd like to chime in with? Yeah, I was just going to um, touch on so obviously bullying and stuff. That's I'm very fortunate. That's not anything that I've ever experienced. But like you were saying, Alex Day and Craig. I've had my own insecurities through life. Funnily enough, one of them was actually coming on a podcast and I've been doing podcasting now for the last three years. Um, more so because I was thinking my accent or if I say the wrong word, for example. But then uh, I met these buggers who have got a worse accent than me and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm in the wrong <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but what I wanted to touch on was like, there's a, there's a phenomenon actually and I only found out about it last week and it's called the spotlight effect. And effectively what it is, is that people tend to believe that they're being noticed more than they are. And this was myself as well. I, I thought I was that important that the whole world, 7 billion people are watching me do, you know, simple things. And, and in itself, it was debilitating. It was kind of stopping me from moving forward. It was giving me fear of trying new things, you know, experimenting with things. And that's just something I want to say to maybe anyone listening is sometimes just go out there and, and just do it. But my question to Alex is, when you do that, which is what I'm trying to do now. So, for example, I've started a YouTube channel. I enjoy it. I like the creative side. I like interacting with complete strangers in the world. It's really nice. But then you get that one person who thinks because you put yourself on social media, it's all right to be negative. Now, obviously, with yourself, your profile is huge. And I know you put, you're getting tro uh, trolls on there, especially with Twitter. I think it's like 99% of trolls. How do you deal with that? How do you ship that out because for all the nice compliments that you're getting it only takes that one person to say something i mean how do you deal with it, it, it should i tell you what mate it was one of the, the you know when i first got on television at, at the paralympics in london 2012 i thought it was absolutely brilliant you know i i went to channel 4 i had a nine-day contract for the paralympic games I thought i'd come back up to leeds afterwards and go back to being a sports journalist and that would be it and i kind of you know telly would be this mad thing that I did in the summer of 2012 and that would be my lot and obviously you know by the end of it the last leg had taken off and I'm still doing it now you know like eight and a half years later and with that you know the, there was all this mint stuff that came along you know you got that kind of you know with, with the fame and things like that but then the hardest part was people suddenly giving you abuse I've not I've not abused for years you don't tend to get people call you dick in the street, but on Twitter, they bloody love it. And so it's a really weird thing to suddenly be confronted with is, is someone calling you a knob and stuff like that. You're like, oh, wow. And then at the start, I'd reply. And then, gosh, like my mum, like she's still that protective mum who used to shout at people for staring at me. I mean, yeah, as I said, when, you know, nine years into my television career and she's still on there searching me on Twitter, which I told her not to do a hundred times, replying. <laughs> she's tried to do new accounts on there, so I wouldn't notice if she's having a go at people. You know, her name's Elaine. She started a Twitter account where she just had the same name, but she called herself Ellen, and it's like, it's still your profile picture. It's still, I know what you look like. But it was like, that was the murder one, and she was calling people this and that and having a pop at them, and... It is really, it's really hard. Um, I, I think I'll kind of, again, even now, mate, it, it, it's one of those things where it is hard not to let it stop you, you doing stuff about, I think maybe just the end of last summer, 
I came back to do a series of last leg and just before it, I just suddenly just got in my head that I was crap. I was just like, I was really low on confidence. I thought everything I'd do is rubbish. And even though, you know, my BBC documentary had gone down really well, I just had this like big crisis of confidence. And I think that when you, when you feel, feel, I don't know, again, you get, especially with me and a lot of people get it. You feel like this imposter syndrome. It's like, am I really good enough to be on the telly every Friday night when I kind of came into it the way I did? And it, if someone says something, it almost it's like it's pushing on a bruise. You could have, I get what you mean. You could have hundred people tell you you're the best thing since last bread. You get one people who tell you the worst, and that will stick with you. And it's really, it's still now. It's really, really hard. The big thing that I've changed now is I try not to look for it. I used to do that, which is so destructive. I mean, Twitter is the worst because you can be. I mean, Instagram, not as much, but you still get it a little bit. But you can be anonymous on Twitter. And, you know, it's just, I mean, it's it's a free-for-all. And I find, you know, that, that part of Twitter, they don't, they've never dealt with it. They've never dealt with the people that do it. You know, I don't see that. I think everyone should should be, should have their own details on there. Once you start letting people go anonymous, you've like, all this thing, it's like, well, everyone deserves a voice. Do you know what? Sometimes I don't think some people do. I don't use it but it is I think especially with Twitter I think that you know would it have been that harmful just to let everyone say what they want but say what you want and then have all your have your details on it have your full name on there rather than you know a picture of an egg and a load of numbers after your name and, and things like that but it is hard um you know on, I just try to concentrate on on a lot of things it, it's if I'm honest it's, it's held me back that kind of doubt in yourself has held me back a lot over the last six seven years since i've been in television because i kind of i try not to put myself out there too much i try not to take chances on on shows like things like you say about you know i wanted to go out and do do stand up and i've kind of put that off and put that off and put that off and it's like the reason why i'm putting it off is because i'm worried that i'm going to be crap at it and you know what i might be there's every chance i will i mean you've seen the last thing some of the jokes can go either way but it's like i think that you know if if I get, if in 15 years' time that chance has gone and I've not done it, and the reason why I didn't do it is because I was scared of what people think. I think I'll find that hard to console. I, I won't be able to kind of almost forgive myself in a way. I think you've got you've got to try and put yourself out there. It's so weird. I was literally talking to my, literally today I was talking to my therapist about it, and I, I was saying I envy the people who could just go and just do it and not care about what people think. And I really, but then as you said, sometimes, you don't know whether they care what people think. They're just acting like they don't care. And I think it's it's part and past. Also, you know, I've tried to be people who are entitled to their opinions. That is a part of it. Like, we you know, when people used to say, oh, this is rubbish and stuff like that. I mean, I, you know, I probably wouldn't go about sending it direct to the person themselves. But I tell you what, it's like, I don't like everything on telly. Um, only yesterday, um, there's a player who plays for Arsenal, Mustafi. He sent a tweet. He put out a tweet about um, Mesut Ozil's leaving. I'm just getting a slight of football. But anyway, it really wound me up. And I was thinking, I'm going to send him a load of abuse. And literally, as I start to write the Twitter, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm literally becoming. I was going to tell him that he's been crap for us for the last four years and he should join us. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Like, you, can't, you can't, you're not that guy. Don't be that guy. That's what you moan about. And again, it, it, it's opinions. And I, and I think that, you know, it, it's a case of just kind of, yeah. I've just seen some comments saying stories regret what you've done rather than what you haven't. I think he's bang on. He really is. What isn't times better when if you had something to say, you had to write it on a paper, go and buy a letter, go and buy a, a stamp, post it. But now it's, it's you know that would take you a, a good few days to do that. Nowadays you can just write shit. Well, I, I think I think a big part of that, you know, is you know with the cold cancel culture and you know and things like that now i think that there's a big thing about that and it is a me it is very immediate and you know there was there was um end of last year you know there was there was a remake of the witches film that came out and you know i I worked with a charity and a lot of lot of people are upset about the portrayal of the witch with like a hand which was clearly missing fingers and you know i decided to speak out on their behalf i'll be honest with you i watched the film i thought it was all right um, I never said that I wanted the film cancelled. I never said that I thought it was the actress Anne Hathaway's fault. I never said any of that. You know, kind of people kind of get go mad and they kind of, 
escalate it and, and, and stuff like that. I just thought that, to be honest with you, maybe somewhere at some point in the design of this witch was that someone's gone, if we remove a couple of fingers, maybe it'll look a bit scarier. And I was like, maybe just like, maybe that's not, I, that's not like a really good way of thinking. And that was it. And I know, and it was, you know, God, the online abuse I've got people saying, aren't you aware it's a fictional character? And yeah, of course I'm aware. You know what I mean? And it's like people, you know, people are like, well, what about E.T.? It's so, what about E.T.? <laughs> you know, his finger lit up. Like, yeah. show me someone whose finger lights up who can get offended by it. And well, you know, it was one of those things where there's kind of a lot of what about you. And Twitter's hard for that. But you know what? It's like, then I'll log on to it. I always think I'm going to leave Twitter. And then I'll go on to it and then I'll see... Um, you know, some of that stuff at the moment, like the sea shanty memes and stuff like that. And I'll just really, I laugh and it's like, ah, oh, it's all right. Some of it's all right. If you, if you just don't search your own name. Yeah. Have, have you, Alex, sorry, one more question. Have you had to adapt then your comedy? Because when I used, I love stand up comedy and I used to watch it back in the day and I feel like you could get away with a lot more. Whereas now everything is kind of like, you have to be politically correct and be really careful. Cause like the cancel culture is so big now. Has that made you change your comedy? And do you feel that it's, it's a bad thing because we can't just watch comedy just for for the jokes. We have to take it almost personal and then want to attack that person. Yeah, it's a weird one because, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, because I did a did a post about the, the witches film and, I, you know, I kind of said, oh, you know, I don't think it's that great. And a lot of the, it was made out that I'd hit out at it and I hadn't. Like, it was just, you know, it's just, you know, to get clicks and stuff like that and stories. And I, I think that, you know, in terms of, disabled jokes so for example you know i don't really get offended by stuff in general i, I really i don't um i you know i kind of see it as that they're, they're just jokes sometimes maybe they don't help a kind of a rhetoric maybe perhaps sometimes but i see it as just jokes and especially in the work we do i mean we're live on a friday so christ like honestly you've got to be really really careful you're live there's no taking out there's no edit afterwards and you, I, you know that is you have to be uh slightly you know slightly not clever but slightly careful sorry about about what you say because again also i'll be honest with you i don't particularly want to i don't want to upset people that much you know i'm not that kind of bloke i don't particularly want you know i'd really genuinely it would bother me if um if if i'd said a joke that it genuinely contributed to you know really hurt somebody but in general i think people just like to complain it's like i did a show new year's eve um called the wall and it, it was uh, it was like a quiz show on um on bbc one and like it was for charity and my stepdad and mum were in it and they were on they were in the like kind of as my guests because it's all social distance and anyway i kind of i, I said a joke to my stepdad and like people got so offended. He was he was saying that like I kind of said to my mom, I'm glad that I didn't introduce you as mum's friend. And we had a bit of banter. He's been with my mum for 28 years. He went, Oh, I've been with your mum for 28 years, I'll have you know. And I went, Yeah, well, I just went, I did that childish thing. It was like a mock of a child, just going, You're still not my real dad. And like he laughed. He laughed. And honestly, there were people going, Can't believe he's been that what a disgusting thing to say to his stepdad. And it's just like, you know, Keith ended up like the Santum, like it, it's fine, like, but people want. Sometimes I think people want to 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 get offended these days with, with, with some stuff. But and it's like they look for it, don't they? It's like they, it's like people forget that they've got the right to not get offended. And and it's 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 all context. If if I was to come up to somebody and say this, that, and the other, then the context is I'm being vindictive and spiteful and nasty. But if you're saying it as a part of a joke or banter between friends. I think people should take that as an up-in-the-air comment in the moment of conversation rather than feel personally attacked. I think people forget they have the right to not get offended also. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say, I'll be honest with you, you know, while I'm saying about, you know, kind of people getting uproar and getting upset, maybe, you know, kind of over the top, but it's not to say that, I'm, you know, I'm sure that I've said stuff which has genuinely offended people, and that's the stuff that bothers me the most because that's just not... What I want to do, I don't do a joke thinking I really want to upset. I want to upset these people. I really don't, and I, I, I never have. And I suppose, you know, kind of, yeah, I don't want to be that bloke. So it is, it is. Uh, I do kind of take that a lot more personally. 
if I thought I'd genuinely upset someone, especially the stuff with disabled people, you know, again, it's, you know, just because we're all disabled doesn't mean we all have to like the same thing. So there are some people, some disabled people who, you know, have tweeted before and they've said that they don't think the last leg's been helpful with the, you know, it's not okay to joke about disability. I was, people took the mickey out of me for this when I was a kid and, you know, you're on TV and you're meant to be defending us and you're laughing about us and, do you know what? That bothers me loads. It really, that really, really, that's like the sort of stuff. When there's other disabled people have a go at me, that really, really gets to me because it's, um, yeah, because that's not what I want to do. I realise there's not a lot of us knocking about on television. And I'd hate, God, I'd hate to think that I'd, I'd said or done anything that would kind of but lead what? to a disabled person feeling worse about themselves because, you know, it's kind of, I realise that we're, we're one big group, but you kind of, you know, I want to fly the flag a little bit. But what would be the, what, sorry, Kevin, what would be a logical step forward for that? Like if, if you were, because I know that bothers you and, you know, quite rightly so, I'd be the same if I defended someone, even if it was just a joke. But then there's, there'll be a group of people that love it and there'll be a group of people that don't. So I think you, you, when you try plate spinning, um, you, you're constantly going to be running around trying to help some. So how would you combat that with yourself? Would you tone it down hoping, to offend less or would you keep going open you don't offend anyone or you know what? I, th I think you just we i mean in terms of our show you know we we're not exactly I, i'd like to think you know we don't really come kind of do like a what you would even brand like kind of a, a, a comedy. it's not for everyone's taste no everyone will find it funny but on the whole it's kind of fair i'd like to think we kind of provide something that's kind of slightly it's not going to particularly be too overly offensive i never sit there we never sit there and I, I've never sat there and thought, what can I say that will upset people? I've never, ever thought that. You kind of, if you do the jokes, it's like any joke you do, there there could be someone that could be upset. Right? No matter what you mean, it, you know, I, I was just trying to think of an example. But it's like there's any any joke that you do, someone could take the wrong way if, you know, if they look at it from a certain point of view. So you've just got to kind of carry on and try and do, basically, I, I only ever, this, this is one of my worst things that I do in television, is I, I laugh at myself. I'm really bad for it. It's such a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I'm doing it now. I laugh, I laugh, I laugh, it gets the ball rolling. And also it's like, I don't say anything that wouldn't, doesn't make me laugh and whether that's something that my you know I've, you know we work with writers whether that's something that my writers kind of you know we, we've come up with together or something like that or something that I've I've thought of on the spot I, don't, I try not to say anything like that. I wouldn't say anything that I didn't find funny so it's yeah that, that I kind of as long as I've done that you know if people get offended then you know, I I don't begrudge them that. That's that's their right. But I kind of this whole idea if you just say something slightly offensive, you get canceled is, is is a tough thing for me. That's where I think it goes a bit too far. And it's like you were saying before about people back in the day. If you wanted to complain about the program, think about it. By the time you got to you know to get the stamp and stuff like that, or even if you wanted to tell someone you were offended by it, you'd have to get up, then ring them. And by the time he's done that, he's just gone, oh, do you know what? I'm not even that, I'm not that offended by it. But it kind of, you know, it is now with, with Twitter. It's also, the thing with Twitter is a lot of stock is put in it. It's kind of a demographic. But God, bear in mind, you know, if I if I get, I try to fit this, it's like, if I've if I got like five tweets that were negative, that would really bother me. It would really, really get to me. And I'd be like, oh, maybe I'm at my depth and stuff like that. But you could be mind, it's like, you know, around about one and a half million people, you know, would watch would have watched that episode of Last Leg and five people have told me they didn't like that one bit. It's like, <laughs> it's, you, it's, you know what I mean? It's not it's a be-all be and end-all. Um, and, that, and that's the way you've got to kind of, yeah, kind of get on with it, really. Alex, we've, we've got a few questions from people listening in, if you wouldn't mind answering them. Uh, we'll go to the most important first. This is just coming up. So Richard got Alex. Who'd win a fight between Josh and Adam on the last leg? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. They're both lovers. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> um, God, I, I wouldn't like to say it. I'd, 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 I'd pay to watch. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like to say it. Um, no, but God, maybe I could imagine Josh pulling out some sort of some sort of. Cover. Clever trick, baby, but um, <laughs> no, they're not, they're not fighters. None of us are. 
with me for obvious reasons. So, uh, yeah. And from Steve Anzel, Alex, first of all, you're a legend, fella. Question for you. Regarding your professional career, do you think you have faced more hurdles than most? And if you could go back and talk to the 12-year-old, what would you advise? What advice would you give? <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> I can't I can't say that 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 bit of advice. Even though I've got to filter myself out, even though it's on YouTube. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd tell the 12-year-old me that. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't say it. But we can we'll, imagine. Yeah, but I'd tell him not to say that. Uh, um, I'd go. Do you know what? I think that maybe not to. To have more, to have more confidence in yourself. Um, I'd love to tell that to the twelve-year-old me, the eighteen-year-old me, and stuff like that. It, especially when I went to university, I was so painfully the kind of like shy in some ways, especially with like girls. I had absolutely zero chat, and I think that I was really worried that girls wouldn't like me because of my hands and leg and, and stuff like that. But it was more, it was more about the fact that I just had no chat. I had absolutely zero chat. And that was a big, that was a big thing. Uh, so I couldn't tell myself that it's to kind of have a bit of confidence in yourself, really. And um, also I tell the 12 year old me that, um, yeah, in, in eight years time, Arsenal are going to go a season unbeaten. Um, don't get arrogant and think it's going to happen every year. Come on. Not going to happen every year. In fact, actually, they're going to go crap after that. So savor every single game of that because um, you're going to get to the age of 36 and really miss it and wish you'd have soaked it all up. So that's a, that's two bits of advice from Tobi on me. In terms of my career, you know, I don't think that I've you know got in mind. I got a job on Channel Four because I'm disabled. They were looking for disabled presenters for the Paralympics. So I can't say that my disability has held me back in terms of getting a job on telly because that, that's you know how I got into it. Um, I think that, you know, in I'd like to think that I haven't missed out on jobs before because I'm disabled. I'd like to think that. So that that's kind of, you know, I, yeah, I, uh, it's not really um, kind of, yeah, affected me in, in too many jobs, thankfully. Like when I was a sports journalist, no, I, I kind of, you know, they, they were really good with me, my old company, my old bosses were really good. So, yeah, I've not, it's not been that much of a, of a hurdle, if I'm honest. What? What, what came first, Alex? Uh, the Paralympics or the last leg? I thought we were going to start joke then. <laughs> <laughs> what came first? The blind blow? <laughs> um, uh, so I was um, I was a, I was a sports journalist for a company called Press Association. Um, we we're based in Howden, East Yorkshire, and I was there and I applied for a job to be uh, yeah, just one of the reporters at the Paralympics. So I went to. The Paralympics. I've trained for for the best part of two years to be a live reporter. So I was a journalist. So I was going to be a live like touchline football reporter. I was going to do the five aside blind football and the seven aside cerebral palsy football. They were going to be my jobs. I trained for it. Like that. That was it. You know, I did the opening ceremony of the Paralympics as a reporter, and then I was going to be the reporter for the highlight show as well, um, which was the last leg. And I remember sitting on there the the sofa. The first show. I was. I'm only on the sofa for the first like. 10 minutes and then I leave and then Josh goes on. So that was how it worked out in the first show. And luckily for me, kind of the second night, they were like, look, do you want to just do this last leg show and you're not going to do the football anymore? And I was just like, this is mad. I've trained for this. I'm like a proper journalist. And, um, you know, also I, I hadn't done jokes. It was, it's like, what you, you know, what's going on? This is live telly. I don't do jokes. I've never really even done telly. I thought I was just going to be asking questions to people after games. And they were just like, well, look, you can either do 10 days behind the camera asking questions or 10 days in front of it. And that was kind of how it was put to me. And I was like, well, why not? Let's give it a go. It was fun, good fun. I liked, liked Hills. It was nice to talk to Hills about my leg and his leg. And I quite like that sort of thing. So it was, um, yeah, I, I ended up doing it. So I'm, I'm really lucky that that's kind of how things worked out. I mean, you guys, and it was 2012. Because of you guys, you really shone the light on the Paralympics because it was always the Olympics and then Paralympics a few days after. But because of you guys, now average day people and whatever are tuning into Paralympics and reading NBI, what do you call them, super, superhumans? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, that, that, ad, that ad campaign, we, we knew that Channel 4 were going big on it. We always knew that. I mean, we knew that they were taking a big chance, like kind of putting new people on screen. I said, you know, now I've worked in television for a, a while. 
I kind of realised how big an undertaking it was for Channel 4 to suddenly go, not only are we going to take people who've never done telly before, but we're going to stick them on live telly, which is um, which is ropey. It can, be, it can get pretty hairy on, on live TV. And it's like that was a really big, a big kind of commitment to make and also, you know, to, to have us all be, being disabled. In fact, actually, to be honest with you, like kind of being disabled was what, for, for me in many ways got me through because I had an insight that maybe, you know, uh, uh, an able-bodied reporter might not have had. I, I remember uh, doing some touchline interviews and um, before it, when I was in my training and we, we did this Paralympic World Cup in Manchester. I remember interviewing Oscar Pistorius and asking him about the blisters on his legs. Do you get the blisters underneath when you run? And he was just like, what? And I was like, oh, I've got the leg as well. So do you like, I get I get them if I do any football. So do you get the blisters? He's like, yeah, yeah, do I? And it was kind of like, oh well, it's probably not a question you you know you'd have normally got asked. And I think that yeah, you know, it was when we saw the Meet the Superhumans ad. I remember seeing it for the first time in Channel Four. They took us all in and we all watched it before it went on telly. I was blown away by it. I was I was absolutely. It was the most powerful. 90 seconds of kind of or visual representation of all manner of disability that I, I, I'd seen and I really felt that wow Channel 4 going big this is going to be big this Paralympics I'd never I'd watched the Paralympics before but it never had the coverage that it was it was getting there and that was a really it was a it felt really exciting and the whole thing you know Channel 4 did this whole marketing campaign when the Olympics had finished but also the Olympics were absolutely unreal in 2012 like things like super saturday and stuff like that. oh my goodness it was it was amazing and i remember channel 4 putting up those adverts on like buses saying thanks for the warm-up and stuff like that and it was like god this is pretty bold you know and and it was really exciting to 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 be a part of and you know i, I sometimes again you know just because everyone's you know we're all kind of classes disabled we don't all have the same opinions a lot of disabled people find that the idea of meet you know kind of paralympians as superhumans as almost kind of like the upper the upper level of disability is kind of you know is slightly incorrect and you know some of us aren't we're not superhumans we're not paralympians but it doesn't mean we're, we're worth any any less and i never took it as that i just thought of it as kind of like a an incredible as, as a bit of a kind of a marketing thing really you know you meet paralympians they don't think they're better than other disabled people. They just—they've just got a skill. They're just happy to be able to perform their sport, and they're just so—they're no different to any other elite sports person. They just—they've got a talent, and and they're and they're doing it, and 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 that's how I see it. And I'm really glad, and I'm kind of proud that I've been been able to be part of Channel Four, and that they've given it such such a lot of uh, amazing coverage. And you know, Tokyo—I don't—we still don't know if that's going to happen this year and stuff like that. But I tell you what, it's. For me, it's like the, the Paralympics when we went again in Rio. It was amazing. It's just it it just it's it's such an incredible sporting event, and I love sport and I love my disabled people. So it's like a real good thing to be a part of and be around. And and it's um I kind of you know I hope that Tokyo happens in in some form when it's safe to do so. Can I just say while we're on about the Paralympics, uh, a massive shout out to Oscar. Because if it wasn't for Oscar, we wouldn't have you on the show. What a tremendous guy. And I teach him boxing. And our dream is one day get him to be the first Paralympic boxer. Because, you know, I mean, me being visually impaired, lost my eyesight when I was young, as our people know. I wasn't allowed to compete. And I, it's something I'm very passionate about. So wouldn't it be wonderful if we had Oscar as our first GB Paralympic boxer? So thank you, Oscar, for everything you're doing. And keep up the brilliant work. No, it'd be, it'd be incredible, and and he, you know nobody would deserve it more than him. You know, I met Oscar. It must yeah, it must have been about eight years ago now through um, a charity called Reach. That, uh, you know, I'm an ambassador for, and he's a great lad. I really, I've got a lot of time for him. I really do, and I really, I'm really glad he's found his his passion for boxing. And, and fair play to you, Kev, for for taking him under your wing. And yeah, I'm sure I know he's watching now. He's he's popped up a couple of times. So um, yeah, he's, uh, he's really good, Alex. It's not just like He's a token, you know. Oh, isn't he good? God bless him. He's trying. He, he's got a lot of talent. So I just so you know, fights on our side. Yeah, I think you know we we again. This is just something I was going to bring up. Like kind of with with disabled people, sometimes it's a real though. Like, it's kind of sometimes the, the way I found myself being viewed when I was younger. It's like I, 
it's either people kind of sometimes people kind of view you as if everything you do is amazing. So literally, like I'd get up in the morning and people would watch me, like I don't know, button up a shirt and I'd think, Christ, ain't that inspirational? And it's kind of one way, or it's the other way, and people just be like, God, I'll tell you what, I couldn't handle living with his hands. And it's sometimes that's kind of like that's there's like two parallels, and it's never sometimes it's kind of never there's a, there's like a kind of a thing, a thing in the middle, a thing in the or middle. But he, I he's superhuman. Is he a superhuman or let's wrap him up in cotton wool? Because if he falls over, he might hurt himself. Yeah, I tell you what, though, there's a weird thing because because I find and like I was just thinking, when I was thinking of Oscar now, how, how much he's kind of pushed himself for boxes. You feel like you've got something to prove. You feel like you've got something to prove, and you, in fact, you probably you maybe don't. But it does give you a drive. It really does. Uh, I, I, I go on like it's not it's not the same level as the boxing, but like I find it with the. I get on the Peloton spin bike, and all and my pals are all in the WhatsApp group. And like, it was only today. I've been doing it for about six months now. And it's only today that I turned around to my wife and I was like, "Tell you what, not really having any calves is really doing me on this bike." <laughs> and I can't compete with my mate. It really pushes me on because I want to prove something, even though they don't care how well I do. They just all supportive. But sometimes that drive, and I think that's what Paralympians have. I think they they've got this drive where they've kind of been told if you're told. You can't do something. Yeah, it's, it's such a it's, it's a big thing to try and um, improve people wrong. Oh, Alex, oh. I get a lot uh, with my daughter. Funny enough, I get uh, people who come up to me and think it's all it's it's amazing and what she achieve. And and don't get me wrong, some of the things she's managed to achieve uh, in spite of her disabilities is amazing. But they also get people come up to me and just go, "Oh, isn't it a shame?" I'm like. You know, she's a happy little girl. What more? What more as a father could I could I ask for? No, but it's a shame, isn't it? Like, um, and uh, out of everything that probably goes on within my life, that's one thing that annoys me. You know, we don't. Yeah, we don't I, can, yeah I can. I can imagine. I can. I can imagine how annoying it is. I know exactly how you feel, and it's kind of also, you know, a lot. Of, the, the idea of kind of you know achieving things in 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 spite of, of, of disability as well. It's just kind of like one one thing that you're doing is it's one part of who you are and it's one thing that you're doing. And sometimes it's not even in spite of that. Some people have built some people can do different things. Not every it's kind of a weird thing with with us disabled people is we want to try and you know it's almost like we've we're, I've even kind of said this before this idea of overcoming disability and I said it a lot in my documentary and in fact actually what I kind of meant was is that not stopping doing anything because of it rather than overcoming because actually you know not everyone can physically do everything you know not everyone can not everyone every able-bodied person doesn't all have the same talents not every able-bodied person is mint at football so if I'm crap at it well I mean a big part of it is is down to not having a right foot and being right footed but that's another thing but it is just i wasn't meant to be in football do you know what i mean it's not just all it's not just all down to that and i think sometimes when you just define yourself by disability so i'm I'm not a blind man i'm a man who happens to be blind i'm not just my disability i'm many other things you know and and i think that's when people just say oh he is this she is that but that none of us are just one thing be it a talent a flaw with so many different things, and that's what makes us us. But, Tom, would you like to say something to Alex? Yeah, mate, first of all, mate, I feel a bit starstruck because I, I do love the show. Um, oh. And honestly, I, I feel like I'm sat in the front of the watching Channel 4 at the minute, to be honest. Um, but now I think, you know, I, I watch your, your programme uh, on BBC. Um, and, I th- you know, I think the one thing that really touched me, being a big football fan, uh, as I said, I'm a Birmingham fan, so probably can't call it football, really, apart from beating you in the 2000 and. 11 12 cup final, it's probably the only yeah, thing. Yeah, I remember. Should have never happened. But yeah, I mean, the one thing that really touched me was I don't think I've ever realized before in that, that uh, watching that program, you know, how important, you know, and I suppose this is with what's going on at the minute with the lockdown as well, how important, you know, it is for football and sport. And I mean, I know you uh, in the program when you went into the, I think it was like the Arsenal uh, Disability Lounge. You know, I just thought that was brilliant. I thought, you know, it just shows how important it is. And as we, you know, we're saying with with Oscar, how important it is for people, you know, who aren't able to to run around a pitch at, you know, 13, 14 on 11 aside or, you know, any sport, rugby. But it's, I just, like I said, I just think it's brilliant what you're doing, really. 
Thank you, mate. It's with, with the meeting, the, meeting the fellas at, at Arsenal, was what I quite, you know, what I really took from it. And we we're all very, you know, we all had different disabilities, even though, as again, we're kind of branched under that one term. But the, the thing I took from it is, you know, the one thing we all have in common is we all just go to we go to the, to the Arsenal, and that's not that's not about being disabled. Um, yeah. It's not when I when I watch Arsenal, I'm not thinking about my hands and leg. I mean, all right, yeah. there are times when I, I genuinely thought, even with my leg, I think I could shore up the midfield a bit. <laughs> but, there, you know what I mean? It, it, it's not about that. It's about this other thing that, you know, you share with other people. And, you know, it is hard at the moment. It is really it is really hard, um, you know, kind of a lot of people miss that social aspect of it. That's what yeah. I'll be looking forward to when, you know, when the world kind of gets back uh to, to where it was is it, just going is going to the games and it's almost it's a bit of escapism football whether you're disabled or not you know it's or whatever you do it's an escapism you don't need to be you know escaping you know whether you've got a hard time about your disability you know it could be work relationships no matter what it, it's a bit of escapism the same as anything music film any sort of you know whatever you enjoy you know Jesus Christ I was doing some I was making the kids Lego treehouse the other day and that like I'll be honest with you, even though I kind of thought to myself, after oh, some of this might have been harder with 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 my digits. Actually, in fact, most of it was easy because I had little fingers to get into the like the little. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thankful, but I didn't really. I wasn't really thinking about my leg and, and stuff like that while you're doing that. And and that's isn't that just life though? That's just how we, yeah. how we get yeah. on with things. And yeah, it's always good to have those things. I find it on the bike as well. Um, like I enjoy it. That's my big thing. A lot I do at the moment. Uh, I like to do just to like there's a bit of it's just been good for, for my mental health. I always feel better when I'm at the time I feel like crap when I'm on yeah, it, and then yeah. about half hour afterwards I'm absolutely buzzing. It's brilliant. Yeah. I feel like you know I there's a couple of times I, when I first started doing it, I pushed myself too hard and I was sick and that was pretty bleak. But <laughs> yeah, it was uh, yeah, but it is good. And I think the, you know, especially at the moment, we've all got to try and do the things that we enjoy as much as possible to try and help our mental health because it ain't easy. You know, it's not it's not easy. And it, it's good, you know, talking to you fellas tonight. It's it's good to chat to people. I, I find that with me and my mates over time, you know, especially my uni friends, over over time, you know, how our relationship has changed from when we were all living together in Liverpool to, to now, you know, we've been married, we've got kids and stuff like that, some of us. And, you know, the way we talk and we're, we're now kind of, we're very kind of supportive of each other. And we, you know, I could go to any of them with any problem and or put it out in the WhatsApp group. And, I, you know, I think that that's a real, that's a really lovely thing to have. It's nice to be able to, I, you know, I, as I said, I'm still gutted I'm not 20 anymore. But one of the good things about getting older is you kind of, you do have that insight and you can chat about stuff a lot more before it gets too too big for you. And that's all we're encouraging anyone to do, you know, reach out and talk. And more you talk, easier it gets. Lee, have we got any more comments or questions? Oh, he's ignoring me. Yeah, mate. I've got feelings. We, we, we got another important question. We kind of answered this uh, before the show, but I'll I'll bring it up. So, Robert, did you see the Black Country derby? And if you did, who was you cheering for? You well, who you this, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like Robert. Who do you who do you support? <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> um, I, I didn't see I didn't see the the, the Black Country derby, um, but I saw, I saw the West Brom one. You know, so I mean, if you're a West Brom fan, Robert, good. If you if you're a Wolves fan, Robert, I'm really sorry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I've got my own problems watching the Arsenal to deal with without worrying about West Brom and bloody Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Any more, Lee? Uh, just some nice comments that I'll they'll put up throughout, Kev. Well, as uh, Aaron, is there anything you'd like to ask? I'll, I'll go around the room. We'll start off with you, Lee. Is there anything you'd like to say to Alex before? No, just thank you for coming on and giving us an insight into your life. And uh, yes, yeah, thank you. No, thanks a lot, fellas. It's been a pleasure to be on. I really enjoyed chatting to you. It's nice. Craig? Yeah, I'll just detail Lee. If I'm absolutely honest, you know, it's obviously my first time of meeting you. Um, and it's it's been it's been like I've known you for a long time. To be honest, you seem like a, a very approachable guy, and you said you're an extrovert. So yeah, thank you for coming on, and hopefully people have got 
some value from your story and, and your journey and, and from this. So thank you. Cheers, mate. You, you don't have to all go around and all say something nice. <laughs> so, you know, this, this, is, this is like the opposite of an intervention where people go around and say how oh, they've been wrong. Hold on. Well, mate, don't. Go, you know what? He's done this for. He's a great guy. But you can carry on if you all want to have your things. <laughs> nah, I was going to say, <laughs> don't say that now because you'll excuse Aaron and you'll excuse Tommy. You'll excuse Kevin. <laughs> Nearly have done it, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say the same as them. then. <laughs> <laughs> Running out of nice things to say, mate. <laughs> no, brilliant. Again, honestly, thank you for coming on. Um, I've never, you know, um, obviously, you know, I mean, someone like, like yourself on the show, it's, it's been nice, you know, to see that. I think that other side of someone, like you say, I've only ever watched the, the, the programme on the Friday night, really. And it's nice to, you know, I think it's nice for, like you say, we all have our own little struggles with confidence, I think. And it's nice to hear, you know, someone who goes on telly every week say, you know, sometimes I get a bit scared. And, you know, I think that, that's, that reaches out to people a lot, really. Aaron. Um, okay, so I, I won't, I won't be all uh, nice like Craig. Cause I'll be completely <laughs> honest, actually. Um, <laughs> so before you play, Mark, I'll be completely transparent. Obviously, uh, I know the name. I know a little bit about you, but I've not watched your shows. If I'm being perfectly honest, but I put it as a as a note to watch. But one thing I want to say, and I mean it from the heart, it's it's nice and it's a very nice feeling to just have a conversation with yourself and realize. And I mean most respectful way that you just you just like every one of us we have the same kind of thoughts we're laughing at the similar types of things and i think sometimes when we see like celebrities in the world or influencers because i was checking your twitter and instagram just before we went on i was like having heart palpitations and when when that when the interview started i was thinking kev don't put me in straight away because i don't want to say something <laughs> or mess myself up but getting getting the conversation like craig said it was just so so easy to have a conversation with yourself and you know i wish you all the best because you are flying the flag not just for d- disabled people but also for just people in terms of like happiness. And I think we're in a time where everyone's struggling and to see smiling is like one of the best medicines in the world. And, you know, I find your stuff pretty funny today. So I'm, I'm going to be following you, mate. So really appreciate you. Coming yeah. Just, I'm glad, thanks, mate. I'm glad. Like, yeah, it's such a, a massive compliment. Um, Just with the TV stuff, I'd maybe like, I'd, some of it's all right. <laughs> it's a bit hit and miss. Like, it's not. I'm it, trying to use you on Twitter, mate. Afterwards, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's not. Uh, you know, it, it's not the Sopranos. You know what I mean? Not every episode's yeah. going to be a cracker. So just. Yeah. Uh, although, <laughs> although, if you, although, if you want to see, um, I don't know, everyone knows say so not Lorraine Kelly get told to f off. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a New Year's Eve show because it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Generally, generally the, I think that's the most I've ever laughed on. Yeah, the most I've ever laughed on television. It just it no was, one expected uh, it. No, I, I'm honestly, it was, yeah, it was just a, an incredible moment. She's absolutely so nice. She's every bit as nice as what you imagine. But it was such an incredible thing to hear someone say. And I, I, yeah, God, I was, the worst thing is I kind of saw a clip of it back and you can hear me laughing and my mic's still on. You could just hear me like laughing, like Mutt in the background just going. (laughs) (laughs) That was decent. Well, if Channel, you know, Channel 4 needs an ugly blind bloke to come on the last leg, you know where I am. (laughs) (laughs) You know how I do, mate. Oh, thank you. It's just my wife who tells me that all the time. But mate, I'd love, I'd love to, you know, when when Lars comes up, I'd love to to come and see the gym and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be a heavy hitter, but I'll, uh, I'd love to go in and and uh, I've done like, you know, kind of, but but kind of boxing training, like I used to do a little bit at the gym and stuff like that, and um, yeah, absolutely ruins you, doesn't it? Those those repetitive kind of rounds, and it's um, yeah, I'd love to come down and uh, yeah, see you and an Oscar and have, have a go. Well, in the real world, when we get started again, we're, we're going to hopefully start up a, a thing, uh, giving mental health to KO and get people coming in who have been furloughed and who are suffering mental health problems, get them training. And if they attend for a couple of weeks, then they'll be able to have a haircut or a, a beard trim off Tom. And we're just trying to knock down the walls of this thing and get people talking. Because as blokes, the women are miles ahead of us. But hopefully conversations like this are, you know, helping. So from the bottom of my heart, Alex, thank you very much. Oh, thanks a lot, Kev. You're doing a great job, fellas. So thank you. Cheers. As we always like to finish, is have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life or you've picked up along the way? Oh, wow. That's a big one. Um, cool. That's the first question I think might have, um, might have stumped me. Um, you don't plan for this one. <laughs> no, you don't. I'm just trying to think of things that I... 
No, no, no. Do you know what? Um, I'm just trying to think now. Um, Jesus, wow. Well, what you're thinking, <laughs> what you're thinking, uh, Alex, you can join us at the same time every Thursday and Tuesday. Tuesday, who have we got coming on the show on Tuesday, Tom? Um, Is it Sean? Yeah, I'm not sure. Sorry, mate, I don't even know what day it is at the minute being off work. I'm on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday today. I'll double check. Well, on Thursday, as we do, it's just going to be us, lads, chewing the fat. And as always, it's lovely having your comments coming in. And if you've ever got any topics you'd like to talk about, please send in. Be the fourth, fifth, sixth man in the room and please join us. But then next Tuesday at 7.30, I'm sure it's Sean. Now, Sean's had his ups and downs, being in trouble. And now he's, now he's turned his life around. So please, really interesting bloke. And that's next Tuesday at 7.30. Alex, have you found a quote? Do you know what? It's it's more just like it's more more just advice of um don't search Twitter. Don't search don't go don't go on social media after a don't go on social media after midnight. It'd be uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's kind of one that I try to follow uh, so I'm trying to follow now. Well, thank you once again. So guys, until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tararabit. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen, listen.